You may be seated, and I invite you to take your Bible and turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, and we want to spend some time considering what this psalm says to us. And as you make your way to Psalm 1, I want to wish you a happy new year. I hope you had a uh, somewhat enjoyable day yesterday and a enjoyable day today. I agree with what my brother said about it's good to be in the Lord's house on the first day of the year. There's no better way to start out. Uh, and as is customary, let's all just do the ritual of recognizing that we're going to break all of our resolutions probably. Can we just, let's just go ahead and get that out of the way and move on, right? Some of you will keep your resolutions and good on you for that. Uh, some resolutions are good and, and worthy. They, they are good and virtuous. Uh, some of them are probably a little bit self-seeking. Uh, if we're being honest, and, and, and I can't help when you look at our culture and you look at the world, sometimes we get caught up in this, this idea that, or, or this sentiment, we may not even realize we're buying into it, but, but the idea of a resolution is what we're saying is what I really need this year is more of myself. Um, what I need is more of my own will, some of my own determination, some of my, more of my own strength, and I don't know about you, but I have enough of me as it is. Um, what I need in 2023 is not more of me. What I need in 2023 is more of Christ. What I need is more of Jesus. I need more of the Spirit of God directing my life. I need more of His Word in my life. And as we look at Psalm 1, I think this is a psalm that many of us would recognize, if we've ever read through the, the book of the Bible, you know if you were up this morning and you started in Genesis, you'll get to Psalms eventually. That is if you don't quit in Leviticus. But you'll get to Psalms eventually. And Psalm 1 is, is really the doorway to the book of Psalms. It, it sets up many major themes. But there's a way that, that Psalm 1 is often preached and, and taught that I, I feel is counterproductive when it's done the way that it's often done. And so I want us to look at Psalm 1 and then reflect on what it means to have a happy new year. What it means to have a blessed new year. What it means to, to go into a new year knowing that we can have blessedness, happiness, joy. And where do we get it? And so let's look at Psalm 1. It says in the CSB... The translation I'm reading from here, yours might say something else, but it says, beginning of verse 1, How happy, or yours might say, blessed, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the, of the wicked, or stand in the pathway of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Verse 6, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to your word and spend some time, we hope to hear from you. 
Oh Lord, may what I say point people to Christ and may people see how Jesus is uh, our great hope for blessedness. Bless this time. I pray for, for calm. I pray for stillness. I pray for not just physical, but, but spiritually, God, that you would set aside distractions in our hearts and in our minds, that we would hear what you would have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what is the way that this psalm is often understood that's actually counterproductive? Well, very shortly, we read Psalm 1 as if it's mainly about us. We read Psalm 1 as if Psalm 1 is given as a way for us to achieve this blessedness in and of ourselves. And so we read it, right, in verse 1, how happy or, or blessed is the one. And immediately we might say, yes, that's, I want that. I want to be happy. I want to be blessed. Uh, th- this word is, is a very important word. It's a, it's a loaded word. It's a word that we can't really just translate one-to-one in English. But, but it's a deep abiding blessedness. In the, the Latin version of this psalm, the, the word that's used for happy is beatus. It begins, beatus vir, happy is the man. And if that sounds familiar, because that's the word that we get the word beatitude. So when Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those, blessed are you, right? That's, that's the language he's using. So it's a very loaded word. It's this happiness, this blessedness. And we would say we want that, right? I mean, who doesn't want that? And so then we read verse 1 and we would say, okay, so how do I get it? All right, it says, don't walk in the advice of the wicked or, or stand in the pathway of, of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. And if you notice, there's a progression here, right? You start by taking their advice, and then the next thing you know, you're living their advice. You, you were just walking side by side. Now you've stopped and you're standing with them, and now you're sitting in their company. But then it says in verse 2, but his delight is in the Lord's, whose delight? The, the, the happy one. But his delight is in the Lord's instruction. And he meditates on it day and night. So then we read that and we say, okay, so what I need to do in order to have this happiness is I need to uh, read my Bible and pray all day, every day, morning and night. Then it says in verse 3 that this one is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. So then we say, okay, so if I, if I don't do bad things, if I meditate on God's word day and night, and, and I, I, uh, I'll be like a tree planted, and then whatever I do will prosper. Okay, so if that's you, if that's where you are in the psalm, what do you do with verse 4? The wicked are not like this. You see, it begins to break down. And so, very simply, what I want us to consider is that the fulfillment of Psalm 1... Well, let me back up a bit. What I'm not saying is that Psalm 1 doesn't apply to you, that you can't read it for instruction. What I'm saying is we, we need to be careful that we don't skip over the major fact that Psalm 1 is not fulfilled by you. It's fulfilled by Christ. Jesus is the one who fulfills Psalm 1. And you say, well, I've never really heard about that. Well, just look a little bit later. Have you ever read Psalm 2? Psalm 2 is a messianic psalm. It's quoted in the New Testament as referring to the Messiah. What does it say in verse 1 of, chapter, uh, of, of, cha- of Psalm 2? 
Why do the nations rage? Why do the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand. They stand against the Lord and his anointed one, his Messiah. Right? Then you get to the end in verse 10. Now, be wise, O kings. Receive instruction. Verse 12. Pay homage to the Son, or he will be angry and you will perish in your rebellion. But then you get to the end of verse 12, and look at this. All who take refuge in him are what? Happy. Same word as verse 1 of Psalm 1. So you have this bracket. Psalm 2 is about Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, Psalm 1 is about Jesus. And then we begin to understand, okay, so how is Jesus the fulfillment of Psalm 1? He does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Jesus lived without sin. He lived a perfect life. He came and he never sinned. So he did not take the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway or sit in the company. But then it says in verse 2, but his delight is in the Lord's instruction. That word instruction is his delight is in the Lord's Torah, the Lord's law. Jesus found delight and he delighted perfectly in the law of the Lord because he kept it perfectly. It was his, his delight to do God's will, to do his will, the Father's will. He delighted in doing what he was sent to do and why he came. Jesus delighted in laying down his life in my place and in the place of sinners like you and me. It says he meditates on it day and night. What's interesting is this meditating on it day and night. That's language that if you go to the book of Joshua, you remember Joshua, Joshua 1, where it says, do not be discouraged, but meditate on my law day and night. So here in Psalm 1, Psalm 1 anticipates this new Joshua who's going to come. This new Joshua who's going to come and, and meditate on the law day and night. And then we get to Jesus. And you know what Jesus's Hebrew name is? Anybody? Joshua. So Jesus keeps the law perfectly. He never sins. He delights in doing God's will. Therefore, verse 3, he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams. And that makes me think of what he says in John chapter 15. What does he say in John chapter 15? Abide in me. Why? Why? You will bear much fruit. Why bear much fruit? Who is he? He is the vine. We are the branches. If we might want to put it a different way in Psalm 3. He is the root. He is the trunk. He is the branch. And whatever he does, he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams. I love the imagery here of a tree. We think about trees. As being these, these rooted, these solid things. We, we, we don't uh, treat trees lightly. And here it says that this man, this happy one, will be like one who is planted beside flowing streams. He never lacks the nutrients. He's never missing what he needs to flourish. He's always able to give sustenance. And then it says, his leaf does not wither. What happens to every tree every fall? The leaves fall. It, it, goes, it undergoes a certain kind of death, right? This tree, however, never dies. 
When we think about Jesus, he died, yes, but he rose again. And those who are in him, right, the Bible says has eternal life. But then look at what it says, and whatever he does, he prospers. Whatever Jesus sets his mind to, whatever the Lord sets his mind to, he accomplishes. God has a purpose and a will and a plan, and he's sovereign over all things, and Jesus does as well, and he's able to accomplish whatever he does prospers. Not just gets by, not just gets good enough, it prospers, it flourishes. And so God sets his mind to redeem sinners. God sets his heart on reconciling sinners to himself. And so he sends his son Jesus. And Jesus comes and he lives a perfect life. He dies on the cross. Our sins are punished on Christ. God pours out his justice, his his wrath, his righteous anger on his son in our place. And he prospers in, Jesus prospers in accomplishing our salvation. So if if Psalm 1 is about Jesus, you say, okay, well, where am I in the psalm? Well, you're either in one of two places. Before Christ, you show up only really in verse 1 and then verses 4 and 5. And you say, oh, I'm the happy person in verse 1. No, you're, you're, the, you're the wicked, the sinners and the mockers, right? It says, blessed are those who do not walk in the advice of the wicked. Before Christ, the only advice that we could really give was sinful advice because we were operating in rebellion to Christ and apart from Christ. It says, don't stand in the pathway of sinners. We didn't just stand in the pathway of sinners. We made the paths ourselves. We were walking on our own sinful paths. And then it says, You sit in the company of mockers. We didn't just sit among the company of mockers. We were the mockers. We built our house there. We had season tickets there. So that's where we are before Christ. And then in verse 4, the wicked are not like this. They're not like the, the broad, big sequoia tree planted by a flowing stream that, that prospers and bears fruit. No, we're like chaff. That the wind blows away. Do you know what chaff is? Does anybody know what chaff is? I could explain it, but I, I think another way of thinking of it is like it's the difference between a tree and pencil shavings. The, the psalmist says that Jesus, the, the, the blessed man, is like this great California redwood that, that is planted and rooted. But the wicked, they're like the pencil shavings. You remember, I don't know if you guys, anybody ever sharpens pencils anymore. But you remember when you would sharpen a pencil and you'd have the pencil shavings underneath and you'd pull them out and you could just blow them away, right? That's what the psalm is saying that the wicked are like. They're like these pencil shavings that the wind blows away. And what does that mean in verse 5? Therefore the wicked will not stand up in the judgment. Now this doesn't mean that they're not going to stand up. They have to stay seated down, right? But this language of standing means that when judgment comes like a hurricane, they will not be able to stay up. If you think about, if you took a a redwood and pencil shavings and let them be hit by a hurricane, which one is going to stay? 
So the wicked are like pencil shavings in the face of a hurricane. They will not stand in the judgment. And look at verse 5. Nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. So now here, becomes, here comes the problem, right? If that's what the wicked are like and we are the wicked before Christ. And then it says that we will not stand in the assembly of the righteous. What we realize is there's an assembly. There's a group. Those are the righteous and I am not in them. And that's why we see either the prosperous or the wicked, the, the upright or the unrighteous. And that's where we are apart from Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you've never trusted Him as your Savior, I want you to hear the warnings of Scripture. There is a judgment that is coming. And I know you might hear guys on TV and, and talking about judgment. sounds like, oh, you sound like you should be holding a cardboard sign out of the intersection over here. What does it say? Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment. There is coming a day when you will stand before God and you will have to give an account of everything you've done. Every word you've said, every criticism you've made, every act of rebellion that you've committed. And apart from Christ, you will not be able to withstand that judgment. You'll be like pencil shavings in a tornado. But there is hope because the Bible says that even though our sins are rebellion, even though we disobey God and we go our own way, God pursued us. God loved you in your wretchedness and my wickedness and sent his son to die on a cross to take the penalty for your sins and your rebellion. And then Jesus is buried. And then three days later, he rises from the dead. All of that matters because if you trust in that work, if you trust in Jesus, if you say, Lord, I am a sinner and I deserve this judgment, but I trust what your son Jesus did. Forgive me for my sins. If you pray something like that and you mean it God hears it and you're forgiven and then as Paul says in Colossians that he says Jesus transplanted us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son and the word he uses for transplant is like when you move a, a plant when you transplant what happens have you ever had something in your yard or maybe you got something from the nursery, from the greenhouse. It, it's taken up, roots and all. It's moved over to somewhere else, and it's planted. In the imagery of Psalm 1, what happens? We are taken, and we are planted in this tree beside flowing streams that bear its fruit, whose leaf does not wither. And then he begins to prosper us. So how do we understand Psalm 1? Applying to us. It doesn't come to us around Christ. It doesn't take a detour. Psalm 1 and the promises come to us through Christ. We cannot read Psalm 1 apart from Him. And you say, so what encouragement? What, what does that mean for the new year? Well, number one, 
if you are planted, transplanted, if you trusted in Christ, you are now in Him. You are in Him who is planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever He does prospers. That's you in Christ. Jesus shares that prosperity, that blessedness with you. You are planted firmly in Christ. Why is that good news? Well, because you didn't plant yourself. You are grafted in. You are joined. You are placed into this mighty tree that cannot be moved. No matter what storm comes, it cannot be blown over. There's no drought. It's beside flowing streams. It bears fruit in its season. If you are in this tree and this tree bears fruit, remember John, abide in me and you will bear fruit. God will bear fruit in you. And then whatever he does prospers. Now, that word prospers is, we have to be careful. It does not mean that, you know, I, I, I do not like the fact that there is a whole brand of Christianity called the prosperity gospel. I don't like that they get to use the word prosperous and prosperity. They've taken it. They've corrupted it. I think perhaps a good word for, for us to think of is flourishing. Flourishing, blossoming, blooming. If you are in Christ, what we read in Romans 8, that you will be conformed to the image of His Son, that seed that is planted in you will I'm mixing like four metaphors, my apologies. But that seed that is planted in you will blossom. It will bloom because you're in Christ. So I don't know what's going to happen in 2023. You don't, I don't, but God does. And if you're in Christ, you can be confident that you are planted in a tree that cannot be moved. Christ will not fail you in 2023. He will not fail you. He will not allow or go without bearing fruit in your life. I read a, a poem last night and it was about trees. I was trying to get in the mindset of trees and thinking about trees. And, and uh, there's a poet by the name of uh, Seamus Heaney. And he has a line of a poem that's just beautiful. He says, I was posted as a lookout and feel as though I was forgotten. Talking about a tree kind of standing out alone as if it was posted as a lookout and forgotten about and not taken care of. And, and it, we might think that that's the kind of tree we're in. That we're this tree out in the world. We're the tree that if it falls and no one's there to hear it doesn't make a sound, right? We think we're that tree. But no, we're, if we're in Christ, listen to me. He will bear fruit in you. His leaf will not wither. He will not let you Go the way of decay and he will prosper you. And the greatest assurance we have of that is in verse 6. Notice in verse 6 it begins 4. How can the psalmist say what he has said? 4. Because the Lord, Yahweh, watches over the way of the righteous. So if you are in Christ, understand that the Lord watches over your way. Does anybody's translation say something else? I know it does, but I just want to ask. Knows. Knows. 
You know what the word used there is? It's the word that means an intimate knowledge. It's the same word that's used back in the King James when it said Adam knew his wife, right? It's this intimate kind of knowledge, aware of the details, paying attention, constantly aware. And so if the Lord watches over the way of the righteous and we are in Christ the righteous one, listen, going into 2023, God is not unaware of what is happening in your life. Whatever happens, it will not catch him by surprise. Whatever happens, you will not have to say, God, did you see this? What's going on? He watches. He knows the way of the righteous. And what I love about this picture is we think of, if you go at the beginning of the psalm, it says, those who do not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. It's that same word, that path. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Not just the road that you're on right now. The path that you're on right now. He sees around every turn. Every bend. He knows every bridge. He knows every pothole. He knows the entire path. God has your life in his hands. In Christ. And he is watching over you. A good way to think about it is the way that you watch your child take their first steps. When you watch your child, you're watching each step, each wobble. You're there with your hands out in case they fall, right? That's knowing the way of the righteous. And so in Christ, the blessed one, that the one who is the fulfillment of Psalm 1. All of these promises come to us that God is caring for us so greatly, so graciously, so goodly. All the English teachers just cringed a little. But then we end at verse 6. It says, The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. So there's two options, really. The pathway of the unrighteous that leads to ruin, that leads to judgment, that leads to destruction, that leads to an eternal state of spending an eternity in hell where you experience When it says ruin, understand that, that hell hell is not I want to be careful how I say this. Hell is not separation from God. When you are sent to hell, it's not as if God sends you to a place where he is not present. Hell is a place where God is present, but he's present in a way that there is no blessedness. God's blessedness, God's grace, God's goodness. Instead, it's a place of wrath and ruin. 
Hell is a place where sinners experience the fullness, the full presence of God's wrath towards sin. And it's for eternity because you sinned against an eternal holy being. So when it says the way of the wicked leads to ruin, it's not like getting second place. It's not like Christians get first place and you get second place. Like we get the gold medal, but you kind of just get a silver one. Still good. Not great, but no, no, no. It's ruin. It is absolute, utter misery. And so the choice is the pathway that leads that way or the pathway that leads through Christ the Son to blessedness. The choice is yours. It is my prayer that we would all begin 2023 renewing our commitment to saying, Christ Jesus, I trust you. You are the righteous one. You are the fulfillment of Psalm 1. Thank you, Jesus, that all of the promises come to me through you. That I am planted. That I can prosper. That my, I can blossom and flourish in you. And that you know my way. You watch over it that I can stand in the assembly of the righteous because I trusted in you and you declared me righteous. So it's a new year. A lot of new choices being made. Let this be January 1st, 2023, the day that we say and recognize Christ is our only hope for blessedness in 2023. Don't seek for it anywhere else. Seek Christ. Seek to know Him and His Word. Rest in Him. Rest that you are in Him because you've trusted Him. And you can be a happy, blessed individual. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word. And we thank You for Psalm 1 that, just like all of Scripture, points us to Christ. Lord, if we leave here remembering nothing else, it's that, I hope it's that Christ is the blessed one who shares that blessedness with us. We thank you, Jesus, that though we did not deserve that blessedness, though we could do nothing to earn it, by your grace and mercy, we come to partake of that great and, and joyous blessedness of being in Christ, communion and fellowship with the triune God. Lord, for all of us here, I pray that as we go into a new year, Lord, that the trials that will come, uh, the storms that will come, Lord, not only, Jesus, are you the, the solid tree that, that withstands storm and bulldozer, but Lord, you are the rock, the foundation of all of our hope. So Jesus, let's leave here. Let us leave here by your spirit, recommitted, renewed, reaffirming our desire to be in you and to have that blessedness that you give. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. We can never say thank you enough. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.